You're listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Well, hello, Deborah. Hi, Mike. For those who haven't come across you online, introduce yourself to the listeners and tell the listeners why we're talking today. My name is Deborah Bowers, and I own a pharmacy in York, South Carolina called Yorkville Pharmacy. And um, the reason why we're talking today is because of the social media Facebook group that I started um, a year, a little over a year ago, and um, just the interactions with that and how that's developed. Are pharmacists just a bunch of complainers? Are we just a bunch of complainers? Yes and no. So... I think we need a healthy place to complain. Just kind of get out your frustrations. And nobody really understands what we're going, not not even other business owners understand. Um, So like, like the Rotary Club, for example, you know, they wanted me to, you know, join the Rotary and go to a lunch meeting, you know, from like 12 to one or something like in the middle of the day. Well, when you're a single pharmacy owner and you're the only pharmacist for me to go to a lunch meeting for an hour, like I got to pay somebody else like four hours to come in and either work the morning or work the, the afternoon shift. So I could go to this one, one hour lunch meeting. So like not even business owners who aren't in pharmacy understand pharmacy. I was in a Qantas group, you know, similar service club. And I was in that for years. And I started working at the pharmacy more now lately because of some staff changes. And I told them I had to bow out of being in the group. And the next question was, well, maybe you can come by and, and speak sometime about whatever. And right. and I thought, well, that didn't really catch very well. You didn't really understand my my thing of saying, I if I could come and do that, I'm sure she was just being nice to me, you know, but if I could go and do that, I would have been able to get away. But I was not a good member the last few years that I was active. This is probably 2012 to 15 because the restaurant was right next door to the pharmacy. And for the listeners, we probably had 30 people at these lunches, you know, and we would talk about, we'd have a speaker and we'd have somebody, we'd have lunch and share some stories and stuff. But I was a terrible member because I would come and I had just left the pharmacy literally 15 seconds before I stepped into lunch and my mind was everywhere. It was really, it was really tough to go to those. That's why I developed the group was because nobody really understands your business like another person who owns the exact same business because not even regular business owners understand the nuances and stuff. And so What I found myself doing was, you know, I had, I don't know, five or 10 people, you know, like regularly in my list here in South Carolina that I would contact when I had questions or, hey, have you seen this? Whatever. Well, I felt like I was just like wearing those people out, you know. You're rather new with your business at the time, right? Well, this has been all along. So my pharmacy has actually been open 18 years. You started when you were 11? (laughs) <laughs> yes, we'll go with that. You must have been one of those uh, <laughs> child prodigies. No, I opened my store with a partner when I was 24. So I had just graduated pharmacy school in um, 
I was miserable with my job that I took at a big box chain. It didn't take me about six months to be like, um, this is not what I want my life to be like. And, um, I was dumb enough. That's a key because I had no idea about independent pharmacy (laughs) at all. I had no idea what I was getting into. So I was literally dumb enough. Right. Um, to just be like, if this doesn't work, I'll just go take my crappy job back. So I jumped and I mean, it's been the best thing. Um, I had no idea that I wanted to own an independent pharmacy or that I wanted to be an independent pharmacist, but it's definitely become apparent that I do very well at being my own boss and I don't like to take orders from others. That's a big part of it, I think. And I like to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. So like, for example, COVID testing, you know, big hot thing right now. Well, I mean, I just spent the time to research it and do my due diligence. And then I just turned it on, just did it. Um, you know, I didn't have to get 15 people's approval to start doing it in my store. So that that's the part I really like. I love that about the independent pharmacy, I guess, any business. And is that you can make a decision. Like I've, I've said before on here, one day I went from, we were doing same day delivery and I just said, let's go to next day delivery and we'll make the people that want the antibiotics and the pain medicine, we'll make them feel special by doing the same day. I made that decision like in 10 minutes, you know, it was so refreshing not to be on these boards and have to <laughs> prove this to everybody, you know, and that's a real nice thing of it. So Deborah, you were then over this time, you're asking the people these questions and so on. And you thought, I better spread this out a little bit. At the time then, when you started the group, were there other options or was there also that ownership person inside of you that said, hey, I don't want to follow what someone else is doing and follow the rules of that. I'm an independent pharmacy owner and thus I'm going to have an independent group. Or weren't you able to find anything? So I had been on some message boards, um, but they required large dues to be a part of their group. So even though I kind of found them helpful at times, um, I didn't feel like the amount of money that they were asking for per month was cost effective. They had their own message boards. They might have bought it from somewhere, but basically they had their own message board somehow with their logo and stuff on it, right? Correct. Gotcha. Um, And then with some other organizations, we had um, talked about starting some message boards with other organizations, but everybody kept touting the antitrust and, and all that kind of stuff. So they never would actually follow through because the liability was too great. There was too much to lose. Because they had to protect the other part of their business. business which right. The, the message board was not the sole thing. It was an add-on and they're saying, we're right. not going to, we're not going to take a chance of our wholesale business or whatever getting in trouble because of this, right? Right. So I feel like, you know, sometimes even, even though, like I said, the people in South Carolina are great. The reason why I started the group had nothing to do with the people in South Carolina not wanting to help. I just felt like I was, every time I turned around, I had a question and I wanted somebody else's feedback. And then you feel a little bit 
even though they didn't say it, you might feel a little bit needy or guilty or or something. And it's like, why don't we spread this out a little bit? And the other thing is, it's not just South Carolina. It's, you know, other people in other states are experiencing something a little different. And you kind of need to understand what's happening somewhere else. So I just, one day, I was just like, well, why not? Like, I can start this if it doesn't work, then, you know, I'll just close it down. No big deal. Um, but what, and let me go back a little bit, because at the time, my business went through a horrible cash flow crunch. And I was doing everything under my power, under the sun, to try to make sure that my store survived. And during that time, I felt really alone. Um, I'll be honest, your pride sets in and you don't want other owners to kind of realize you can't keep your act together or whatever the situation is. Or, you know, it seems like all the owner, uh, all of the other owners have their act together. And so... During that nine months, it was the worst nine months of the whole time my store has been open, even since the beginning when we were slow. Um, it was literally just awful. I felt so alone. And I was like, pharmacies are dropping like flies. I, I, I need to do something to help that. I need to <clears throat> try and help others. And I got through it, so I should be able to help somebody else go through it. So there's this this natural just community service type just gene I guess I have. I just I just like to help. I like to do. And it's typical I think for independent pharmacists. You see a lot of that. People just like to help. That's why I kind of did it because once I came out on the other side of that, I mean at first I was embarrassed because I even got myself in that situation. Yeah. And that's the other reason why I didn't really, I didn't really want to call my South Carolina friends and say, listen, I'm failing here and y'all seem to have your act together and I don't, you know, help me. And then I kind of just decided that there, and and about this time, everything was, it was 2016. So like everything in pharmacy world was being turned upside down and I just kind of felt like we all needed to stop feeling like we were all by ourselves and and start maybe helping each other instead of considering each other as enemies in in essence or com- competitors. So that's why I started the group. Just just to see because I thought it would be better for people to share their information when they had time to share it too and then you would find out who actually knew more about things and maybe under South Carolina we're living under a rock and we needed to learn about something else that Wyoming is doing, Montana is doing, whatever. I remember back in probably 25 years ago, probably ran into the same problems that you might have run in without wanting to share too much with people that you're close to. But I'd be part of the County Pharmacy Association or Pharmacists Association. We'd have a great time once a month. We'd get together and we'd have beer and um, potato skins on the Pharmacists Association. I don't think we were supposed to, but we did always. And true to form of a lot of different groups, 
you could have pulled an agenda out from 10 years ago and it would have said the same thing on it, you know. But the main thing was just getting together for camaraderie. But that quickly went away as these pharmacies are dying out. So now these meetings, you're with a lot of chain pharmacists and so on. And you're sharing war stories maybe of that, but not in the detail you needed to with other parts of the business that you would have to with independent pharmacy owners. Also, when I started this, so, you know, an independent pharmacy, when you open your store, I mean, you're kind of like tied to it for a while. So, you know, I wasn't really being as involved with the association as I had been in the past because you're working six days a week, you know, Um, I still did do some things, but then I had babies. And when you have babies, those babies always get in the way. Yes, they start taking up a lot of that extra time there. And so, you know, there was a time period um, where I don't know, probably about five, seven years where literally I was by myself, so to speak, because, yeah, you know, I couldn't go to here because my kid had a t-ball game or I couldn't go to this meeting because there was this family function, etc. So especially women, I feel more than men. And that may be a sexist comment. I don't mean to be sexist, but I do feel that women owners feel a little bit more lonely than men owners do. And I also find that all of the people that were going to the associations were all men, not women. So like there would be one or two of us women floating around. And I think we got dismissed because we we were kind of women. Um, And now people would say, nah, I don't really see that. But but we're talking now, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, close to that. When uh, women were the minority. Now as men is a minority as far as number of pharmacists, I suppose. But yeah, that was certainly uh, an issue where you would feel maybe pushed aside a little bit. So when you went to make the group, were there other groups out there that you could have jumped into? Or did you say, I'm going to do this because I wanted a little bit more oversight on this? Honestly, I didn't really know of a lot of other groups. The one group that was specific to pharmacy that I knew about and that I was a part of was selective on they only allowed females in. And in the independent pharmacy world, as you said, there is a lot more males than there are females still. And, you know, I felt like that was sexist. You know, Um, I understand. I understand what the purpose was. Um, But I also felt like in this group that um, independence just got dogged. I mean, you know, so a a lot of it was made up of... um, chain pharmacists and and granted there are awesome chain pharmacists out there but like whenever I would say something like let's talk about DIR fees or something like they were saying about how horrible their work conditions were and da 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 I would make some comment about well you know I mean DIR fees are going up so that means there's less money to spend like I wasn't really taken up for the corporate people, but I was just explaining how difficult it was. Like I'm my, me personally, I was having to ask more and more of myself and more and more of my staff just because reimbursements were less and less and less. Um, and it just seemed like 
the independents that would make comments got attacked instead of, I don't know, embraced. So then I was kind of like, well, we just probably should have our own group. Um, and that that's really because that group was very successful, but it didn't meet the independent pharmacist need. So you start off then, Deborah, and then what was your first thought about vetting. You probably had a bunch of people that wanted to come in, a bunch of salespeople and different things like that. How did you start vetting back then? What was your system? My system back then, basically, I had the person tell me their information and then and what pharmacy they were from. And then I tried to find them. And then that became apparent just after a short while that I just couldn't keep up with that. I just, I couldn't do all that work. I just couldn't keep up with it. Um, so then I had a, um, a part-time employee that just comes in and she had done some side work for me at my house and she did really good. And so then I was like, well, you know, would you, would you like to come to the pharmacy and, and do some stuff? So not a technician, she, she can only work like two hours a day. I mean, it's very little, but so she came and like, she does our filing and puts vials out and empties the trash and does some deliveries and stuff like that. So like, she's not really a technician. So I kind of put her on it. Well, then it just, you know, it just became like, it was so much time. So then I was like, okay, this just isn't working. So <laughs> let me ask you this though. Did you have some spies? Do you think that you couldn't find people because they were frauds? Yes. Tell me about that. This is like James <laughs> Bond stuff now. Well, shortly after the group got started, I definitely know some wholesalers wanted to get in there because some wholesalers were getting a bad rap and some wholesalers weren't. I'll be honest with you. I think the pharmacy industry did not want us all communicating. Of course not. <laughs> well, seriously. I mean, we're like, I don't know all the ins and out about it, but you know, the whole Me Too movement and all that kind of stuff. I mean, when people get together and start bringing light to stuff, the people who wanted things in darkness, they don't want that. I can't tell you exactly who all the people were. I have my suspicions, but... That's when it kind of became apparent. Well, so first of all, number one problem was I couldn't find links to a pharmacy. That got very difficult. Um, so then we started trying to call the pharmacies. Um, and I had some people laugh when we called to say who we were. Um, and while we were calling, they just thought that was hysterical. I think they thought it was like not real. So then that's when I was like, people need to provide their own information. They had to send it to you versus you tracking it down. Correct. Gotcha. Um, so that kind of moved things along a little bit, but there were so many requests. Yeah. So many requests. Then we also had um, some instances where like they were owners and then they sold their store and now they were working for an insurance company kind of thing. So then it became apparent, whoa, like not only do we have to make sure that they're who they say they are. When we start and let them in the group, but we kind of have to continue to make sure that they are still in the rat race with us. So um, then it became, wow, we're going to have to do this more than once um, to keep the integrity of the group. Because I think that's why people are so free to just talk about their experiences is because 
they're not being judged. It's not someone on the outside looking in. It's actually people who are in the same trenches as you. Um, and so they're probably a little freer to actually say what's going on or talk about the elephant in the room or, or whatever. If they were anonymous, that's one thing. I didn't want anonymous. I wanted people to understand who they were talking to, like when comments were being made, maybe where they were coming from. I do allow people to post anonymously um, on sensitive subjects. But in, in general, if they were anonymous, well, you've seen it. You get statements where people are saying things they would never say face to face. Right. But when you're not anonymous, you got to watch yourself because your wholesaler might be watching in and maybe doing something. I don't know what they would do either, mm -hmm. but something negative against you. I mean, maybe I'm thinking it too deeply, but people want that freedom to think that people are not watching them. We've also had people who have taken screenshots of the group and shared it with their wholesalers. <laughs> so, I mean, there's always risk, but I think overall the group does I think it does two things I do think that people need to complain you need to have an outlet to let go of that frustration and kind of commiserate with people who understand because you know I can complain to my boyfriend but he doesn't really understand he's not in my world every single day and gets it but another business owner when I say certain things another pharmacy owner and I say certain things and they're like oh my gosh I know you know so I think there needs to be an outlet for the complaining, but I think it also needs to be an outlet for what can we do to help each other. So I think for the most part, there is a pretty good balance. You know, a lot of people just want to know things on their own. But if you see me post, it's usually because number one, I really do want to know something or number two, maybe I do feel like it's been a little bit more complaining more than helping lately. So I need to kind of generate some positive conversation or at least some productive conversation. Well, at least the nice thing about the live part of it is years ago, probably 15 years ago, I kind of swore off reading the letters to the editor for some of the top pharmacy magazines. And a lot of that was just because people were bitching about stuff. And at least with the live group. You might have that, but at least you have support for that or maybe some answers for that. But it's not this beef that has gone out and then just stays out there with no response. Deborah, do you have to be concerned at all about, and I don't know a damn thing about this, but do you have to be concerned at all about libel or collusion, you know, as far as pricing and stuff? Do you think about that at all? Or, or do you just say, no, it's part of the social network, just like we see Twitter with that, I don't know, 230 claim or whatever the hell that's called, where they're not responsible for the editorial part of it. That kind of did cross my mind when I started the group. <laughs> And then I was kind of like, well, what are they going to take from me? I mean, it's just, it's just me, yeah. you know, I mean, all they can say is we're going to shut you down. You know, we're shutting the group down. You know, it's not like there's another business entity that is tied to it, et cetera, et cetera. Now. I say that. Now, that was 2018. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I feel like. The pricing and those kind of conversations need to occur. I don't think there needs to be conversations like, oh, we're all going to 
go close our pharmacies all on the same day and have a blackout or something like that's not what I think needs to occur. But I think the whole darkness needs to come to light. That's how we ended up with this problem is some, I almost said it, some organization is, 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 you know, reimbursing at $10, but then they're paying the pharmacies that they own $110. Well, how is in any equation is that okay? The reason that got done is because people felt, well, a lot of different reasons, because you thought you were going to get excluded, but you felt alone, and, and you didn't know what the next guy down the street was going to be doing and those kind of things. So you're not saying let's do a blackout or let's all set our minimum price at this or something, but just back and forth knowledge seemed reasonable. Right. Just knowing what the market is. So, of course, this has evolved over time to where the Facebook group was no longer fun. It was just a headache. I wasn't getting to do what I really wanted to do, which was help other people because I was spending all of my time vetting. Um, and you would not believe the messages that I get um, just from other people in the group that don't feel comfortable posting in the group, but they like, they want to know something. So like, I've now become the person that's like, I guess, a beacon kind of person. <laughs> kind of their private therapist almost for the group. Yeah, in some essence. So like just the traffic that I get because I run the Facebook group, it literally it was taking me so much time. Um, it was like 15 or 20 hours a week and I wasn't even really participating anymore. I imagine there's vetting people. There's also, you've got to keep an eye on some whacked out entry that maybe came <laughs> from a fake person anyways and is just like going off on something and you can tell they're not really part of the group. But also you were getting personal stuff with that too, right? That they wanted your opinion or this or that. And you were getting all three of those. Correct. And probably the most common thing was I was getting messages. Why have I not been added to the group yet? <laughs> so, so, you know, there were a lot of people, I guess, saying some positive stuff and telling other people, hey, you really need to be a part of this group. But the problem was, I just couldn't keep up with who want. I mean, on any given day, we had three to 600 people that want to join. And a lot of times, people want to join because they have a question at that time. That's why they're joining. I mean, some people will just say, I want to be part of this. But some people actually have something they want to be involved with, like in the next two hours. And you're like, no, it's two weeks or whatever. It was getting to the point where people were requesting to be a part of the group and it was taking probably close to three to four months to actually get to them because there were so many people ahead of them when when it was just just sucking up so much of my time and I couldn't actually do what I really wanted to do um, which was be a part of the group I was like, okay, something's got to change. <laughs> and this is what I think is different. So I think my group is different because it does have the vetting where none of the other groups that I've known about actually, they ask you questions, but they never check any of that out. And people lie. I'm sorry. They just do. The people that don't need to lie don't lie, but the people that shouldn't be there and want to be there, but you're going to have liars out there. Right. So, you know, I definitely was adamant that the vetting has to be a part because I feel like that's what makes our group different. 
and makes it safer, you know, for people to interact and actually bear their souls, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I thought about it long and hard. And then I was like, well, two things are going to have to happen. Either I shut the group down because it was just literally sucking up so much of my life and it was no fun whatsoever. Or, you know, I come up with a way to keep it open. And then, of course, that came with hiring somebody to actually do this as part of their job and having the fees and that kind of thing. But you would have thought that I was asking for a million dollars when I did that. And then I had a lot of people, you know, that wanted to volunteer to do certain things. And, you know, the reason why I didn't go that route is um, I've been in a ton of volunteer organizations, a ton, a ton. And just like with any organization, there is like 10% that do all the work, but there's like 80% that want all the credit, the 80 or 90% that, you know, they want to say they did it too. Number one, I know how busy we all are as independent pharmacy owners, and I knew about how much time they could give. And I know it's not much. And then secondly, you can't fire volunteers. Oh, that's a huge thing. So if you're not doing it right, or you're not doing it at all, then pharmacy is a small world. And I was like, you know, I just don't, I can't fire you, you know, and then I'm going to have this bad relationship. Da, 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 da. I was like, I just don't want to do that. That's very wise. Then um, there was also the issue of the number of people who don't qualify for the group, but that have begged me to get in is... So long, I can't even tell you how many people it is. And I do think some of them have pharmacy at heart, but they don't meet the criteria. And I've been very adamant on that. And I've had to kind of, I know I can say no. I don't know how many other people can say no. Well, you're volunteering. You removed uh, one or two spaces from it. And they haven't felt the same negative effects you have. And so you put all those things together and naturally people get more lenient. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, this is how it's going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, I took some feedback. Um, I made some changes to what I was originally going to do, but still kept most of the original intent intact. But you would have thought that I was trying to steal people's babies by some of the private messages that I received. The private ones, huh? Oh, that's too bad. The private ones were way worse than any of the public ones. Um, I had one guy tell me that he was going to expose me for just the kind of person that I was. And I responded back and I said, I hope you do meet me in person And we'll see that I am the most genuine person you're ever going to meet. And that my goal is not to make a ton of money. My goal is just to be able to keep this as a viable source and keep it its integrity. But yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was, it was, I mean, they were downright mean. (laughs) I don't know. You know, they always talk about like in business, you know, they say, well, most customers just go away. They don't complain and you should cherish. That's not the word, but you should um, appreciate the customers that do come and complain because you learn from them and this and that. And it's like, I don't know. Some of that's a bunch of horseshit. (laughs) I'd probably like maybe half to come back, but the other half, it's like, 
I'm not going to satisfy that anyways. I don't know all the ratios. I'll get people that say, hey, Mike, I transferred my stuff over to so-and-so, and I want to let you know why. And I'm like, thanks for being a customer over the years, and we'll see you later. If you want me to know why, tell me before you transferred it so we can work on things. But if you left because of you were angry at something, I don't want to know on the backside. I just don't. So um, I'd finally, after so many people were positive and negative, um, we just, I just kind of just came to myself as like, well, either I'm shutting it down or this is the way we're going. Like I just, I just got to that point. I mean, that, that was an easy part. I did. Um, so I did take some feedback. Um, so I um, did the, I did the, you know, like each fee could include a, uh, like a husband and a, a wife, a spouse, or it could have two people. Um, so, you know, one store could have two people. Um, I also um, thought that the people who are the most engaged, um, Facebook will tell you the top 100. Um, so I felt like the people who are the most engaged there, they are who are help making, you know, the page be successful. Um, so those people don't pay the fee. They still have to go through the vetting and everything, but they don't pay the fee. Um, and so I started this pro. So I, I announced it and had discussions about it in July because I was spending my vacation. This is what happened. I was spending my vacation trying to vet people for Facebook. (laughs) You always have that point where you say, this is it. Right. So that was my, this is it moment. So I made the announcement in July, took feedback, kind of came up with a plan in August, hired an assistant, got them kind of onboarded. So we just really didn't even start this whole process until the end of September ish. First thing we did was got everybody, the top 100 people, we, we sent them all messages because like, congratulations, you don't have to pay the fee for your, you know, being a very active part. And then we're going through the alphabet. So um, we've done the A's and we've done the B's. And my assistant has gotten some nasty messages back in some respects. And I, I already told her, I was like, this is not going to be some people's cup of tea and it's fine. You know, if they can't, oh, and I changed the fee. I was originally going to do $75 and I changed it to 60 So it's literally $5 a month. And does Facebook, do they have like a way to do this? No. There's not like a form or a turn off or on kind of thing? No, there's not. Um, so I've had to develop all of that on the back end. So I had to set up a website, which um, stemmed to some other stuff, which I needed to do anyway, because I do have, naturally have the desire to help people. So I started coaching. So this is part of my coaching um, website offering, so to speak. So we just kind of started. I think, honestly, our counts are down because this is taking a while. A lot of people don't check their messengers. A lot of people, they would message me and say, hey, I've been taken out of the group. And I'm like, yeah, you should have got a message from my assistant. They're like, no, I didn't. I'm like, okay, I'll have her check on it. Like, So there's a lot of that going back and forth. So the numbers have gone down, but honestly, I'd rather have the numbers go down and have way more people participating um, than to have a large group with 10% of the people participating. <laughs> Overall, on this group, would you have done something different or not done it at all? Or has this been... 
okay despite all of the harassment. I think the good that it has done for independent pharmacy has way been worth the harassment. In those private messages, I have received people who did tell me how alone they felt or who did say, hey, that idea that you gave me, it really worked or so-and-so gave me this idea from your Facebook group and that's really worked for us. And so even with, I mean, I think it's just like our normal day. So even though we got crap to deal with, with PBMs, we've got, you know, every time you turn around, there's something else that you're like, oh, what else can we take kind of thing? There's still, you know, Mrs. Jones will send you a thank you note and say, thank you so much for meeting me to do my kids COVID test at nine o'clock at night because it was the only time we could be available. You know, like it's those little tiny things every once in a while that just keep you going that much further. So I think the benefits have definitely outweighed some of the misgivings that some are misdirections from people. It's probably a little hard. I know with me, like with the podcast at the store, you take a lot of grief, but you have to sometimes, but you have to return all the phone calls basically, or at least somebody does. And you've got to make sure everything is taken care of down to the last tablet. And I told myself I wasn't going to do this with the podcast. I was going to make it fun. So I've got some unanswered emails that I never would do for the pharmacy, but I've done it here. I left some people hanging. I've left some people that maybe had opinions on things hanging a little bit, but I can't say I'm proud of that, but I knew from the beginning I wasn't going to let this bother me. And anytime either of us are on basically a world game, a world field versus, you know, the thousands of people around you, you really can't control what's coming your way like you could as just a independent person in your neighborhood taking care of each single request. I've done a lot better with setting boundaries. So even though I I get messages at all hours of the night on weekends or whatever, if I'm doing something with my family, then it can just wait. You know, I had to learn that because my natural just nature is I got to get it done. I got to get it done because people are depending on you, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to do what you can do. And the re- and that has to be enough. It just has to be enough. So that's kind of how I've taken it. Well, when you got onesies and twosies of things, you always think, well, I can return that call to Mrs. Smith on the way home or something. But when it's, you know, a hundred things sitting there, you got to put your boundaries and uh, it's none of your business or none of my business. And it's the owner sing and it's a big world with a lot of opportunity. And if somebody thinks they can do it better, well, there's your, there's your keyboard and <laughs> start doing it. And that's kind of what happened. You know, a lot of people were like, I can just Well, one person said, well, you could go spend 15 or 20. If you want to just make money, you could go spend 15 or 20 hours a week working in your store. And I'm like, yeah, that's my point is I'm spending 15 or 20 hours a week trying to help everyone else. And I can't keep doing that. I was like, but I'm not I'm also not trying to get rich off this. I'm just trying to basically cover the cost to hire somebody. On the other hand, It is my idea. It was my idea to do the vetting. And then they're like, I could just go start my own group. I'm like, yeah, you can. And then you'll understand exactly where I'm at. You'll be on the group in a few months asking questions of how to do it. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, that's that's your prerogative. And it won't hurt my feelings at all. I mean, either either you're okay 
because you get the value from it. And if you're not okay, it's okay too. Like I'm, I'm old enough that we can have different opinions and we can move on from it. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. It's a big world with a lot of resources. Well, Deborah, thanks so much for your time. It's been great talking to you. Pleasure to meet you. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks for all you do. I'll see if I can keep it up. I, sometimes I don't feel like I'm doing anything right. Like it takes me 30 minutes to figure out how to get on this recording. <laughs> oh, I don't know how that goes. I hang around my kids enough. They'll let me know that. All right, Deborah, you right. take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Business of Pharmacy podcast with me, your host, Mike Kelzer. Please subscribe for all future episodes.